Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59, 60 actually, U.S. national parks. Whether you are planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're sharing about two parks where we got to enjoy the company of friends and family. So are we going to have to change our intro now that there are 60 parks? I feel weird saying we visited all 59 national parks. We There are 60 parks, so all doesn't really make sense. We also didn't visit all of them in, six, in that year. Oh, it's all confusing. <laughs> it's minutia. It's stress um, that I don't need. Yeah, <laughs> Your life is so stressful. <laughs> Have we visited 59, but then we went to the 60th, but it wasn't on the trip. I and... would like to represent ourselves accurately. I would That's like all. to uh, represent ourselves inaccurately and... Um, Make ourselves sound cooler. Yeah, whatever sounds Confident. the coolest. Obviously... That's what well, here's something social that, media is all about. Here's Duh. something that sounds cool. We only have, after this podcast, we have one more podcast. And then we have covered all, all, in, in with, an, with an asterisk, <laughs> 59 national parks. Yes. That's uh, so exciting. So next week, this time next week, if we get the everything recorded, we will have covered all of the parks that we visited that year. So, yeah, that is really cool that uh, we've now hit a uh, episode for a, each, you know, we pair them up. So that's about 30 national parks. Yeah. Plus, or 30 episodes. You know, plus we've done lots of top 10 lists. Plus we've done quite a few interviews. Um, plus we've done some bonus podcasts about our other trips. And here when we wrap up the national parks discussion we are going to kind of introduce some things we we gave a teaser last last episode about where we're going this summer so hopefully you'll get to hear a little bit more about that as well so we've got some things in the works for sure and are definitely thinking of where we're going next with the podcast Mm -hmm. Um, definitely going to be continuing with a heavy emphasis on national parks but also expanding into uh, as we've done in the past, some of our other travels, maybe some international national parks, and uh, would love to hear if you all have other things you are interested in as well. It doesn't have to be all focused on our travel because um, maybe you care about that, maybe you don't, mm-hmm. but we just love talking about adventure, travel, parks, what's out there in the world that excites us. Uh, and excites you. So, um, by yeah. the way, d- no, go ahead. I was just going to move on, but do you oh, have something else to say? Well, I, I, have we actually talked about the 60th National Park on the podcast? We have mentioned it. Well, we mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. No, at least. <laughs> not <laughs> this time. I think we mentioned it last episode. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, if so, we should do a special podcast on park number 60 that's true and and if uh, you don't know what that is you'll just have to stay tuned okay or google it i won't ruin it or google it especially (laughs) since we don't know if we already (laughs) said these same things yeah we're professionals in a a past episode yeah um but you know it's kind of fun switching to another random topic we are not in our normal podcast studio meaning on the floor in our living room. Uh, We are in a bedroom at a desk in your parents' house. Yeah, it's cozy. Yeah. It's much more comfortable to sit in a chair (laughs) than on the floor. Yeah. Why do we do that? We do that because we're surrounded by the couch, which gives a little bit of sound absorption. (laughs) No, I don't know. We don't have a table. We don't we have like a tiny little circle table and it does it's not conducive to sitting on the same side. I think that's why. Right now we get to sit on the same side of a desk. It's perfect. Right next to each other. And um, no, but why it's cool to be here for me is because this is where we left on our National Parks tour from. And I remember that day very clearly about 
two and a half years ago mm-hmm. when we uh, took off August 25th. 5th. Yes. 2015. And I was very obsessed with how the car was arranged. That's what that brings me back. I don't actually remember, <laughs> but that's I remember like having wanting to have a very specific system for everything. Yeah, we were Took a lot of planning. We were crazy organized for the first 2 days of the trip. Yeah, that's about it. Um, but yeah, we took all those pictures out in the driveway and we had our car magnets that said Mm -hmm. official switchback kids. We were Uh, so young. Again, professionals. Yep. But anyway, speaking of national parks, speaking of visiting national parks, we are going to kick things off today with a little bit of parks in the news. Dun, 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 dun. And... This is a fun one because, like we mention on here sometimes, parks in the news are kind of depressing. So we're switching things up a little and talking about just a fun quiz for let's see if Cole knows um, the the answers to my question. So this article by Thrillist was put out like just a couple days ago, and it it um, covers big adventures you can have in low crowds in the national parks by mentioning the least the five least visited national parks in 2017 got it i will give you six guesses to get to the five to least get, visited yes to name the five least visited i think you can do it i'm somewhat confident okay uh let's start you with... also have to go in order no I'm just i kidding. don't i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, Get going. Let's start with number one, um, Gates of the Arctic. Yes. I'll say that's one of them. That's in the bottom five. Okay. Yes. Um, Then also Kobuk Valley. Yes. Uh, So those are both in Alaska. They're above the Arctic Circle, or at least Kobuk Valley is. I think Gates of the Arctic is too. Uh, Anyway. Quite remote. Yeah. No real roads to get there. Uh, unless it's winter and then there's an ice Keep road. Keep guessing. To get, okay. <laughs> we covered this I'm earlier. I'm stalling. Um, then I would have to say uh, American Samoa. Nope. Oh, gosh. Which is sort of surprised me. Yeah. Okay. Well, then Isle Royal. Yes. Okay. So that's three. Three out of five. You have two more guesses to get the last two. Oh, no messing boy. up. No messing up. Good luck. Uh, North Cascades. Yes. Okay. One more. Okay. Um, and then you're not a total failure. The last one I would have to say is. Uh, I don't know. I'm like, there's Pinnacles in California that's really new. But uh, then there's stuff like Lake Clark in Alaska. Um, there's Theodore Roosevelt in North okay. Dakota. You're uh, giving right. us too much thought. Lake Clark. Yeah. Yeah, champion. Good job. Woo. So the least visited, you got the first two in order. The least visited is, is Gates of the Arctic. Excellent. With about 11,000, I think. Not including us. <laughs> we visited it in 2016. Um, Gates of the Arctic had 11,177 visitors. And then, of course, always, which baffles me so much, is North Cascades. And that had the fifth least visited. Um, that was the fifth least visited national park at 30,326. And the baffling part about that is because it's very accessible, very close to Seattle, which... Is a huge um, hiking, outdoorsy crowd anyway. Um, And there's a ton around the park, and I think that's why the park itself gets a little bit shafted in the numbers. But Mount Baker is around there and some of the other popular hiking areas and skiing areas too. So, also the way don't know why they or don't know how they count those numbers to where they're so low. The way they do the I wonder if it's the way they do the stats because mm-hmm. uh, inside North Cascades National Park area is the raw. It's called Ross National Recreation Area, right? Ross Lake. Yes. National Recreation Area. So maybe when visitor and that's all around the road. 
So there's a road that goes right through North Cascades and maybe... So maybe if you just drive through the park, it doesn't count. Yeah, or if you just go on those short little trails right off, or the overlooks right off the road, mm -hmm. maybe it just counts as Ross Lake Recreation Area, National Recreation Area visitors, yep. and not North Cascades maybe. visitors. That is my hypothesis. Regardless, it's still a very uncrowded park. True. Especially, I've heard their backcountry is really, really amazing, just like a dream. It also has the third most glaciers in any national park which i didn't know that either huh it has over 300 right glac on. glaciers in the park so super cool park very easy if you it, <laughs> any of those five um if if you were trying to hit one of those north cascades is definitely the easiest to most accessible so just thought that was a fun little refresher game for um discovering some new un underappreciated national parks. And now you can all uh, discover the Gateway Arch National Park, which is the newest and most underappreciated national park so far. Well, it probably deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later, though. So for now, let's get into our topic today because we have two national parks that we're covering that are super fun, pretty... Uh, pretty popular most of uh, both of them because they're near big cities and what puts them in common for us was that we experienced both of these parks with friends and family so we met uh, family at Shenandoah first um, and we met friends and family at Rocky Mountain later so first let's talk about Shenandoah National Park um, which is the first park that we got to enjoy with other people yeah. Along we, our along our trip, we visited in November of 2015, so just a couple months after we started. It was past, I would say, at the end of the peak fall colors, so it was, and it was kind of pretty chilly, so it was not very popular. Um, weather wasn't great, but family makes up for all of that because when you visit a park with friends, we've we've what we've noticed, friends and family, it's not as much about the like jaw dropping scenes, scenery and views that you might see. It's more about the experience of enjoying it with other people. Yeah. And just to be clear, this is the first time people met us along the trip, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Well, I just didn't want oh, people to Maria. think we were hermits like <laughs> Actually, my sister did meet us for the Grand Canyon, um, but this was different because it was a group. I think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's right. a group of people. Because um, a friend of where, ours, Sam, also met us in Zion Yeah, and, and we Arches. saw Anna. So there are there were some random, like, you know, this was the first park where we coordinated with a group of people, activities, and, like, things for multiple days. And I think that's what the key is what we're talking about today, is that there are some simple guidelines you can follow to ensure or to increase the chance of you having a good time and not having as much stress. Um, and so we're going to talk about the, some of those things and also talk about some of our favorite parts of Shenandoah. For sure. Yeah. I was just going to try and throw, I was just trying to throw you off, but you really recovered well. What did you, what were you trying to do? <laughs> I was just trying. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready. <laughs> Fire more shots at me, please. Okay. So uh, only makes you stronger. Um, the so Shenandoah is near Washington D.C., um, very close in Virginia. It is one of the very few parks on national parks on the east in the east, and it's a good meeting point to just for a bunch of different people because so close to those metropolitan areas. Yeah, um, having access to a big city is good because, you know, some people, if you're meeting people from around, some people's comfort level might be flying, some people's comfort level might be driving. So it's good to have options. And say you're taking a family trip or, you know, whatever bachelor party or whatever thing <laughs> you want to do to D.C., tons of cool stuff to do around there. Take a whole day at least and go to Shenandoah. Um because it is really easy to get out there, and it is a good group activity. Mm -hmm. um, why is it a group a good group activity? Because um, there's lots of different levels of uh, activity. 
one of the best things you can do is just drive the whole stinking park um, because it's all in one line. The whole stinking park. Yeah, it's essentially, um, it's just a long skinny park and in the middle of it is what's called the Skyline Drive and you can drive the whole thing, you're on a ridge almost the whole time, getting some really pretty overlooks uh, over the undulating hills and, um, I don't know, just lots of old uh, deciduous trees. So it's a really beautiful uh, way to take in the park, low stress, everybody can do it. Um, And then you can also, of course, get out and do some short hikes along the way or long hikes. Yeah, so plan out ahead of time, do a little bit of research about the hikes and know kind of your group's comfort level and what I think works best is to prep a list, like a large menu of hikes um, and have a, the bulk of them be crowd pleaser type of hikes. We we plan for a lot of waterfalls because waterfalls are always safe for a big group. I mean, always safe as in always a good bet for um, pleasing the masses. Um, so, for example, at Shenandoah, one of the perfect hikes was called Rose River Loop, four miles not hilly, perfect for a family. It's it was a loop. There were several waterfalls. It was beautiful, just like in the in the woods, um, along this creek that was kind of bubbling. What's the word? Babbling. 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 <laughs> it's like that does not sound right. Babbling the whole time that along the trail, and so it was just a beautiful, just quaint trail. Perfect for a group. So that's an example at Shenandoah. But anywhere, any park you go to will have those type of hikes that are, you know, a little, you know, a little bit to them. Four miles is not nothing, um, but there's something to look at the whole time. It's a loop, so that's always good for a crowd, and um, pretty easily accessible and and easy difficulty level. But it's also good to have some easy, even easier hikes and also maybe some harder hikes that you want to throw in there to the group. But just be ready. Yeah, you. so easier hike might be um, bare fence rock scramble trail. Easier? Do yeah. You, that was the one where we that? got up. It's and, a rock scramble. Well, yeah. I wouldn't say that's easier. It was shorter because okay. it's only 1.2 miles. But it was a scramble, so I... I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for like all ages. But that, that's the it was one really where we fun. were really scrambling on top of the. It was an awesome the, view. Yeah. Yeah, but you're scrambling, so again, do a little research. Know know the ability of your party. Basically. Yeah, if you, if you're steady on your feet, it's not super taxing, but there were. I mean, I wouldn't say. It was like super comfortable with your family. I think they were, I think most of your family was pretty good, but there might have been a couple people who would have rather done something else. Hmm. Maybe. Too bad for them. <laughs> Here's a lesson don't steamroll everybody. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid to like change plans and also just be really flexible and laid back because other, and also allow for people, allow for like a way out. You know, if somebody, if there's one person or two people who don't want to do a certain activity, make it really easy for them and comfortable for them to just bow out because that might happen. And some people just need a rest. And especially with us, I was like, I don't even, I don't even blame you one second for um, wanting to just say, no, I don't want to hike this hike. Um, Even though the rest of the family is doing it, it's totally understandable. Everybody has different ideas of what a vacation is. (laughs) So you have to be really understanding of that. Yeah, because we'll hike you to 50,000 steps if we can. So we actually did that in our last vacation. Yeah. It's not a good thing. That day in Panama, 50,000 steps. Okay, just. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) Good job, though. I I got that plug in. Yeah, I know. You. (laughs) The self plug. No, I I was just really impressed. I'd never hit that high before. But we hit 48. I don't think we hit 50. No, because I left my watch off when we took a nap. That means we didn't hit 50. And then, well, you took a nap. I left my watch in the car, so or not in the car, in the room, and went on a little walk on my own. I know, I remember. So it was really 50. It wasn't, because you didn't hit it. 
but nobody cares about this <laughs> argument, and we shouldn't record podcasts after 11 from now on. Um, okay. But another another thing for traveling with a group, always go to the visitor center. I think that's a safe bet. I know a lot of people don't like to do that and think it's a waste of time and, like, it's not cool, maybe. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it makes them feel more comfortable. It makes them feel more prepared, it, especially if you plan the trip and don't get a map or don't get brochures or don't get hiking information. Other people in your party might really want that. And that that would be me if, if that was me, if somebody else planned. So walk, go watch the movie, go take a look at the um, museum, the exhibits, and talk to a ranger. Just kind of get everybody comfortable with the um, the park. And it can be a great change of pace activity. You know, it, that's one of those whether it's because it's uh, you know you time it for a bad weather stretch or uh, just a break in the middle of the day after you've had a tough morning hike, mm-hmm. whatever it is, totally, it's a good way to break things up. Yeah, uh, and if people don't like looking at the museum, then that's a time when you can be a steamroller. Or they can just I'm look just at their phone. Cause or they can just yeah. look at their phone because there's usually <laughs> Wi-Fi or service at visitor centers. Um, the last thing about Shenandoah that we have as a tip is just, we said this earlier, but be flexible and always have a very specific backup plan. So when we went to Shenandoah the first night, we, well, we were going to camp the whole time with uh, Cole's family and their tent leaked like crazy. It rained so much that first night. It's basically a tent from the eighties. So yeah, it didn't stand much of a shot at the, at the early, at the oldest, (laughs) might even be his seventies. Um, so it leaked everywhere and they felt more comfortable booking a room at the lodge. And thankfully it was kind of after a miserable night after a miserable night. Yeah. So the next night they felt more comfortable just checking into the lodge and that was totally fine. We slept on the floor in the lodge room actually um but but something like that is always good to have like a plan b um especially because you want everybody to be comfortable and have a good time and you don't want it to be like a weird situation where there's no out there's they just have to be miserable the whole time and nobody wants that so it's always good to have that option yeah and you have to understand the dynamics of the group too so you know, us in the in the middle of our year, we were pinching pennies. We were used to doing whatever we needed to just to rough it through. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everybody, obviously, including my parents, was like that. Uh, and it's their vacation. Yeah, because exactly, it's their vacation, and you have to make sure you rem- remember that. Other people are coming at it from different perspectives, and you know maybe it's both of your vacations, but they always like to splurge on their vacation because they save up for it and make it this big thing. Whereas maybe you know your style is to go on, um, you know, just budget vacations, and mm-hmm. everybody has a different way of doing things. Like when we we're in Elizabeth mentioned how we went to um, the Zion with Anne yeah. Grand Canyon with Maria, uh, sister. your sister. And this was kind of her big um, vacation as she traveled out to start school in uh, Seattle. And we were, again, in the middle of our trip, so we knew we had a big, long year of, again, budgeting in front of us. So when it came to, like, the evenings... We, you know, didn't really do the campfires and we didn't really spend money getting, you know, drinks, beers, whatever, whereas she was really interested in doing that type of stuff because this was her... It's like her relaxing. It's not her job to, like, almost like what we saw it as. And so she was kind of like, how do you guys live like this? Right. But for her, it's You're more making of it a, miserable. For her, it's more of the exception. For us, it was more of the rule. Um, so that was tricky. I just say have really open communication. Try to be really comfortable with, with um, whatever might happen. Yeah. And um, also, one thing that this tri- this park made me realize is that you have to also be very willing to sacrifice on things that you might have your heart set on. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that was Old Rag yeah, Mountain. I, yep. And that's a really famous hike. 
uh, in Shenandoah, but it's not on the main drag. It's kind of on the eastern side. You have to go around uh, outside the park and approach it from a different road. So it's a little more, takes more time to get to, and we just plain ran out of time with everything else we were trying to do with my family, and it would have been a big like we would have had to separate from my family, the group, and get up really early in yeah. the morning bef- and be able to get back before they wanted to do things. We were kind of trying to stick together along the along the Skyline Drive route, so we ended up just. You know, we got to swallow that and say next time. I think that's, I think that's a good rule of thumb for us, at least how we handle that. You know, it's it's it might not be the very last time we ever come to the park, and the most important thing is that we have a good experience with the people who joined us along the road. Right. So make a plan, uh, but be willing to be flexible, and be respectful of the others and their priority uh, or priorities. For sure. Because they're probably different from your own. Especially if you're us. <laughs> and be willing. We're weird. Be I would not want to travel with us either, yeah. to be fair. Good luck, Jen. And be willing to sacrifice. You know, be willing to sacrifice things uh, on all sides. Yes. So a few other Shenandoah Park highlights that we did not mention. So we mentioned the Skyline Drive. That's huge. Uh, we mentioned Bear Fence Rock Scramble. That was one of our favorite views of the park. Just a little 1.2-mile scramble. Um, one of the waterfall hikes we liked was called Overall Run Falls, which is six a six-mile trail with a little bit of hills, so it's more difficult. But our whole family did it just fine. Um, the Hawksbill Gap, that's, I believe, the highest point in the park where you can easily hike up to a little overlook. And then Rose River Loop, like we mentioned, four-mile loop, perfect for a family. And then just watching the sunset along the Skyline Drive, one of the overlooks, um, was big. And also we saw bears. We saw bears for the first time on our on our year trip. That's right. Up in a tree. Yeah. Three bears up in uh, way up in the skinny part of the tree. Like I don't know how they were hanging on. So yeah, well. it was two little cubs and a mom, right? Yep. So we saw it from the car, which made us feel very safe, and um, we were the first ones to see it. There was nobody else pulled over at that point, and then everybody started pulling over behind us. So it was kind of a big group to watch these bears, but it was really, really quite cool. Yeah, so always keep your eyes peeled because they're around, and they might be above you just waiting to drop into your sunroof. (laughs) That's a pleasant thought. Okay. Moving on, we are going to be talking about the second park where we met friends along the way, and that was at Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Yeah, so we were going over Memorial Day, so uh, that was a great opportunity to try and uh, wrangle some friends together for a three-day, you know, they had a three-day weekend, and um, the downside was that the park was super crowded, so... That just meant we had to do a lot of advanced planning. Yeah, so this, we definitely took a much more chill approach to this park. We knew we weren't going to be able to do some of the hikes that maybe we wanted to do. It actually, it helped that most of the uh, park was still covered in snow because those those trails weren't like calling our name we could just kind of put them in the back of our head because we knew with the timing of the of the visit that we weren't going to be able to do them anyway so this was a really chill park we we wanted to um one of the things we did ahead of time was book private campsites outside of the park um and this was kind of due to a few reasons we we wanted to book ahead of time because it was memorial day And we wanted a lower barrier of entry for some people who, in our group, who maybe hadn't camped as much, who are more comfortable with having a shower. Like, that's a pretty normal human thing. And also, a a park outside of the, or a campground outside of the park um, is usually closer to things like, you know, gas stations and other amenities, restaurants, uh, food, and also... um, Drinks firewood usually comes with things like firewood and and things like that so it's just a little bit easier than booking through the nps ahead of time yeah and um it was also the nps was all booked up 
So there were lots of different ones. Well, their campgrounds, some of them were under renovation, so they were confusing. It was a kind of a unique situation yeah. this year, or was, in 2016. That was trouble, too. And so one of the things, just to put a bow on this part, is that we um, we just had to take charge and do the planning because you know it was pretty clear that you know we knew the national park um, system the best. We kind of had been doing plenty of this, and even though we were trying to do it while on the road, it was just obviously best that we would kind of know how to fit the campsite for the group we had. Um, so basically, you know, in most groups, some, one person is going to naturally just take the load on their shoulders and um, don't be afraid to do that because somebody just in the end has to uh, step up and start making things also, happen. Also, don't fight them too much because that's a big job. Yeah, and yeah. no, And everybody doesn't you know usually you, it's, you don't want to do it it's just you know that if you don't do it it might not get done so don't don't fight the person too much and don't you know don't try to try not to be too needy with some of your needs <laughs> <laughs> and again hopefully they're not steamrolling people either. right but um, the- um another thing you always want to do is make sure you know when certain trails or roads or areas of the park are open so look that up ahead of time. You can look on the NPS websites for their current alerts that are out. Um, like we knew ahead of time that the Trail Ridge Road was set to open Memorial Day weekend, which was when we were coming. Um, it, it wasn't a guarantee. If the weather would have been bad, they would have kept it closed. Um, but we knew that we kind of had to keep our ear to the ground about if it was going to be open that morning. We also knew some of the hikes that were going to be inaccessible in May still when we were there so that was most of the a lot of the hikes um, so we could do a little bit of planning that way by just knowing being aware of what's going on at the park at the time you're going to be visiting the biggest things though to book ahead of time are your campsites that's probably the biggest thing or your accommodations I guess depending on where you want to stay yeah so should we talk about some of the actual park highlights that we hit sure so uh, driving Trail Ridge Road was a big one because it was its opening weekend. Uh, we stopped at all the overlooks. We we got to see the highest visitor center in the NPS, the Alpine Visitor Center, um, which had an awesome, like, 10-foot snowbank cutout that said NPS 100. That was one of my favorite pictures just because it was such a cool, like, cheesy. It's like one of those embrace the cheese moments um, of a, a good – a good uh, commemoration of our trip. Yeah, it's and it was, um, I don't know, everybody was taking pictures in front of it, but it, it was just so cool to have all that snow from the whole season piled up and, like she said, just carved out. Um, it's just really fun. Uh, everybody took pictures in front of it. So did the Trail Ridge Road, ended up on the other side actually in – um, Grand Lake, yeah, the Grand Lake area, and did a few hikes around there. Um, that can also be a base, a good base for camping, or they have some nice um, lodges and uh, hotel accommodations on that side as well. If you are wanting to stay somewhere but don't want to stay in the really crowded Estes Park area, um, so. We are over there, and just that whole drive, the Trail Ridge Road, of course, but also once you get down and closer to Grand Lake is really pretty. And when you get closer to Grand Lake, there's also a ton of opportunity to see wildlife, um, lots of elk, and we were really hoping to see moose, and my friends were bugging me the whole time about when are you going to show us some moose, and I said, you know, you just have to wait for the drive back because they only come, you know, when you're heading back to camp and just making up BS That's like science. that. Yeah. And I was really lucky because we, we ended up spotting some moose yeah, uh, around the road. Perfect. Otherwise, I don't know, uh, there might have been a mutiny. But um, yeah, that sounds like your friends. <laughs> <laughs> but there are lots of um, 
lots of wildlife on the drive. Yeah, it wasn't just the drive itself was so beautiful. It was views the whole time, um, winding, you know, winding mountain roads, lots of overlooks. Definitely crowded, but also something you can enjoy with a crowd, I think, because it's not like there was traffic. It was, I mean, there was traffic, I guess. Um, but you're in your car, you're just looking out the window, you're enjoying the, you're enjoying the views, you know that you're not gonna, you know, you're, you don't need to be anywhere in a hurry, don't be in a hurry on the Trail Ridge Road, I think that's the wrong way to approach it, um, no matter what, but just make sure you start early, start early in the morning, that's a general rule of thumb for anything you do in the national parks, but especially Rocky Mountain at Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, because Start we were... Start your activities early. We were floored when we were coming out of the park yep. around afternoon. It was about 11, I think, because... Are you talking about the one we hiked? Yeah, whenever it was. Yeah, we when, got up early to hike, Uh huh. and then we were leaving the park at around lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. And we, there was no line on the way in because we were there early and we actually got a parking spot and stuff, which was super, um, lucky, lucky. And when we went out, the line to get in the gate stretched for at least a mile. Yeah. Ridiculous. And that's the type of thing. It just takes one really trying experience like that to really stain a whole trip. For people. When you have to wait three hours to get into a park. Yeah. Yeah. Get people stressed out. Tempers flare. You feel like you're missing out on things. Yeah. You know, that you're not going to... Then you get in a hurry and then you don't enjoy Trail Ridge Road. <laughs> yeah. Because you have that stress of, you know, of the of the people. It's never, you know, it's rarely the nature of the parks that stresses you out. It's usually things having to do with other people so don't overlook the smaller logistics like the parking and like when it's going to be trafficy you know it pays off a lot if you can motivate like set expectations with your group okay we're going to be getting up early every day and then we'll be able to come back earlier and have a nice siesta in the middle of the day where Mm -hmm. people can relax but, you know, our group knew that we were getting up early and we explained to them the reason why and everybody bought into it. Yeah. But it's important to get that instead of just, um, you know, you wake up day of and some people wake up early because they're just early risers and they're milling around camp. And, you know, they don't really know what to do with themselves or what the what the plan is. And some people will just naturally sleep in late and you hate to wake them up. And then it's just half the day is wasted right. before you know it. It's and you're that in the balance. Of traffic. It's that balance. Um, and you have to know where you're going because Rocky Mountain is one of the most popular national parks. Um, but if, you know, if we were visiting North Cascades, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, you could be maybe a little more relaxed in the morning. Um, it just depends on where you are and doing that research ahead of time really pays off. Also having those being really open and having that open communication helps a lot too. Um, so what we did, I think how we structured this trip was really awesome because we had for that Memorial Day weekend, we had two main activities. We didn't have like, you know, go to this hike and then drive over here and do this hike and then drive over in here and see this overlook. We had, we parked at the Bear Lake area and we hiked to all the way to Emerald Lake. That was day one. And we did that in a few hours and then we got, went back to Estes Park for the rest of the afternoon. Day two was Trail Ridge Road and that was, you know, all the way to Grand Lake and back. But I think having those just two things, you know, one thing each day, started early in the morning and then you kind of have the afternoon to hang out and relax. And we found some good restaurants in Estes Park. We had a campfire both nights. And that's the kind of stuff that really makes the getting up early worth it. And it, it makes you have more balance in your gotta, trip. Got to get those s'mores. And it it pleases everybody, typically. Yeah. Oh, and, um, you know, you got to be prepared for stuff like rain and yeah. uh, the the weather you know make sure people know uh if it's may end of may coming from the flatland missouri you might expect that it's going to be may weather but not not so in not the rocky in mountains Park. so yeah. you know make sure everybody is aware of that type of stuff 
when the forecast calls for rain, make sure you have something like an awning that you can put over the picnic table because when we first got to our campsite, it was rainy for the first few hours and we were all kind of huddled uh, under the awning that we were able to put up, luckily that we had, and um, stay dry, still stay outside, still stay together, not huddled in our individual tents, and play some games. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and also bring some games. <laughs> Bringing um, games, that's an always a always a good tip. Yeah. Sushi Go. First time we played that one. Sushi Go, that's a good one. Anyway. So uh, is National Park Yahtzee. That's another one we had. Yeah. I don't know if we played it with them but at some point on the trip. So Rocky Mountain was also interesting because we did this weekend with our friends. Then we drove to Denver and saw some, met up with some family. Then we drove back up with our family, to with Cole's family, to the Wild Basin area of the park, which is in the south. And it's kind of definitely the quieter side of the park. Um, and that's another strategy for tackling some of these more popular parks with a group is if you were worried about, you know, stressing out about waiting in line and things like that, you could try out a new area of the park like Wild Basin where it's almost a guarantee it's not going to be nearly as crowded as the main hub of the park. Especially if the focus is on spending time together and not as much on, like, tackling your, getting, bagging another 14er. Um, so that was our focus was just being able to do a nice hike together and uh, Ozil Falls was not the most spectacular I've ever seen no but it was such pleasant weather it was it's a little bit lower elevation so it wasn't covered in snow it um, was just very Colorado like it you know you saw some peaks in the background and um, pines everywhere, you know, hiking on, on the pine needles is like my favorite thing. And it was just very, very pleasant hike. Yeah, it was perfect. And, and like we said, it when you're with a group, it's not as much about those stunning, like stop dead in your tracks sort of views. It's more just about the actual hike. You know, you get to have conversations and you get to just take it kind of slow and there's no pressure and you know sometimes when Cole and I just travel together I feel like we're very much on a mission sometimes oh uh, yeah and with the family dun, 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 it's dun, not dun, 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 dun. as much dun, dun. about dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the mission <laughs> so that's definitely enjoyable too tell them about the story with Tara my sister when she was hiking, oh, yeah. you know, we're all hiking together as the family, and um, you know, people go at different places. Paces. You're shaking your head. You don't want me to tell this. <laughs> I want to tell this. Go for it. <laughs> so it, basically, you know, Tara just has a different pace sometimes than the rest of the family. So she was kind of dropping behind and uh, paying attention, like checking out stuff on the trail and stuff, and. Um, just walks a little slower sometimes. So, um, we were, you know, the rest of the faint group was pulling ahead and that was really stressing out Elizabeth because she wants everybody to stay together. She doesn't want anybody to feel left out or like they're being left behind. So she was really stressing out for Tara. And, um, so she was really sweet and was going to, after yelling at me, <laughs> because I was not worried about staying behind or That's letting su- Tara catch up. Is that up. the sweet part? <laughs> yeah. No, she was really sweet because she decided to stay and w- hang back and walk with Tara. Um, so she waited for her, and it took a while for Tara to get to her because, again, she was doing her own thing. And then what happened? I don't remember exactly how. She just walked right past me and kept going and walked away from me, even though I had waited for her. She's funny. She's just very independent and not as concerned with, um, you know, always accommodating other people. It probably doesn't sound funny at all. It doesn't. (laughs) But it sounds funny if you know Cole's family. Yeah. And me. Yeah. And our personalities. Um, because she was really so concerned about Tara's experience. <laughs> and then it really turned out that Tara did not care one lick about you know, being left behind or that Elizabeth had waited for her and just, you know, trudged along at her own pace right past Elizabeth and kept and going. Honestly, when I think about it, it's probably a pretty good lesson in traveling with the group that you can't 
always be super concerned about other people's enjoyment. You know, they're, that's their that's their business. That's not, you know, if, if you're the one planning, there are certain things you can do to ensure that, you know, the risk is lowered for people, for things to go wrong. But you can't be overly obsessed and um, worried and stressed like I was about other people's, you know, uh, enjoyment and and uh, preferences. Am I? I'm stammering. Yep, I'm letting you help me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what are we gonna? So, you know, again, the same as Shenandoah with uh, doing things with friends and with family. We had to maybe not hit everything we would have mm-hmm. as a um, you know if we we're doing it at our own pace. So, what is next time? Next time, I really want to get up to Wong's Peak. I know you do. It's the highest uh, in the park. It's like 14,300. Is it not the highest in Colorado? No, it's not. I thought that, and I told you that uh, I know for sure at one point, but it is not. um, Let's see... Well, anyway, Long's Peak would be a big, like, bucket list sort of thing. Yeah, it's just so iconic. It's 14,259 feet high. So, you know, definitely well into the 14ers. And I think it's the second tallest in Colorado. Uh, So there's really popular trails up to the top of Long's Peak. They're really hard, but well-traveled. Want to do that. Want to actually camp in the park. Yeah, we both want to do that for sure. Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the things we always tried to do at every national park we visited. We felt like that really kind of solidified the experience for us was when we slept in the park. Not that this, you know, not that our experience at Rocky Mountain was any less than others, um, but there's something very special about sleeping in the park. There are also just a lot of hikes we want to go on that we didn't get to access because of the snow and the season. So we'll be back. Colorado is one of those states that we get to access pretty easily. It's only about a – Denver's about a 12-hour drive from St. Louis. So not horrible. Um, definitely close – the closest big mountains to us. So we take advantage when we can. Yeah, like last Labor Day when we went to Roosevelt National Forest. Yep, just south of the park. Arapaho National Forest. Indian Peaks. Yeah. Wilderness. So that's another thing. I shouldn't be cheating on the national parks, but um, (laughs) we, yeah, those were two amazing national forest areas with some amazing trails that got you just as good, in my opinion, mountain views and mountain hikes. Um, So don't be afraid to check those out, too, Mm -hmm. uh, on any trip, and I'm sure they would be crowd pleasers as well definitely so overall let's wrap up with a few simple guidelines you can follow to increase the chance that people will enjoy a national parks trip um, for the crowds for the masses so the first thing is always be prepared right do your research know which trails have a list of trails have a list of activities have um, campsites booked be flexible wait wait I had more on be prepared. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so be prepared. Be prepared no, for this podcast goal. <laughs> know, know the weather. Know you know what you need to bring and communicate that to others in the group. And also make sure that you have the proper permits and all the uh, little logistical things. And... You know, somebody has to take the lead on that. If you're the one putting it together, that's great. Don't be afraid to take charge because people want that. You know, people just want somebody to take the reins. Um, so it's a dirty job, but... Um, Someone's got to do it. Okay, so that's one. Be prepared. Two. Be flexible. Be ready for things to change. Be open to the possibility of people bowing out of the activities that you planned. That should be totally open and, and accepted. Um, also, be a, be ready to not do some of the, the activities that you might have, have your heart set on. Yeah, and uh, give people some alternates too. Like, 
if they don't want to do the big group activity, maybe some other suggestions. Um, and and lastly, be chill. This is something I need to tell myself sometimes. Really, I would think it pertains more to me. Really? Well, I think when we have different uh, unchill unchill levels that yeah. both need to be worked on. But mine is like worrying about other people's enjoyment. Yours is more about like making sure we do what we set out to do. Yeah. Is that accurate? And getting <laughs> getting everything possible in. Yeah. So in both of those ways, be chill. <laughs> yeah. And End of story. Be, because some, you know, weird attitudes can just also poison the trip for the rest of the group. Um, you know, if you're and sometimes it's hard to remember that, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the whole mindset of, oh, no, I'm only like this is my one vacation and I'm not never going to be back here. And what if I don't do this hike now? I never will be able to. At least that's what I would be thinking. Um, I really got to like manipulate everybody and trick them into hiking. Um, you are so evil. I know that's what you actually do, though. You do that to me all the time. I'm so... You try to hide the information. You try to tell your dad, like, only some of the information about the cave tour, and then he, he gets stuck. This is what you do. Maybe. He, you, I learned you it from my mom. Withhold some information, some important information that other people should know. Yeah. Anyway, be chill. Be chill on your, be chiller than us <laughs> on your trips. There's a good goal for everybody. So, Jinx, <laughs> we need to go to bed. So, thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back soon with more National Parks inspiration. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud or find us on social media at Switchback Kids. And you can always get additional National Parks videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out! out.